0: This is the Real Estate Foundation, your show for massive action with proven results. Raise your life and your legacy with real estate.
1: Ooh. So do you fix and flip houses or invest in real estate or just want to get started doing so? Well, Alpha Funding has you covered with fast, flexible, and reliable service and rates starting as low as 8.99%. Fast closings, no tax documentation or bank statements required, no prepayment penalty, seasoning, or minimum draw requirements. Alpha Funding, the softer side of hard money. To get yourself pre-approved today, go to alphafunding.com or call 732-657-2014. And we're back. A very special Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. Thank you to everyone out there who's put in the time to make Labor Day what it is today for all of us. And we have a special show coming to you today. I I recently had the uh, privilege of being on the uh, real estate syndication show with Whitney Sewell. uh, Talk through what we've done in the past. Uh, Actually, we talked specifically about uh, closing a 94 unit, and we thought you guys would enjoy it. So listen in, of course reach out to us if you have any questions info at love to hear from you and give us a rating and review as always on itunes just we'd love a review anything that tells us more about what you like what we could do better doesn't have to be five stars you tell us what you want so we can make this show better for you each and every day all right
0: uh, t- today our guest is jason urusi thanks for being on the show jason Thank you, Whitney. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, I met Jason at the Jake and Gino conference last year, uh, which I would highly recommend uh, going to. Got to catch up again at the Best Ever conference in Denver, and uh, um, sounds like we'll both be at Jake and Gino again this year. But uh, um, anyway, Jason is a... uh, just a massive entrepreneur, speaker, mentor, podcaster. And he's doing lots of things in in real estate. His his family business is so impressive. I have to mention it's not syndication, but they move very large buildings. And if you just look him up and try to watch a video on that, I mean, it's so impressive. Um, but Jason is so experienced doing numerous businesses, and whether it's Airbnb, big flipping business. I mean, he's he's in lots of different aspects of real estate and very experienced. Podcast is great. Him and his wife, Bailey, do a great show. Very educational. Highly recommend every week. And uh, Jason, would you fill in the gaps a little bit and then uh, tell us how you, you know, gravitated to the syndication business?
1: Sure. I I really like where you're going. I'm about to have my wife listen to that right there and say, "Yeah," and she's like, "You sure that's the same guy?" I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> No, I I really appreciate that. I commend you on doing a daily real estate investing podcast because that's just incredible. So good for you. Thank you for everything you're putting out there. And uh so Our company is Yerusi Holdings. Uh, It's a full-service real estate construction company. We focus on flips here in northern New Jersey, and we also uh, buy large multifamily in the Midwest. As you mentioned, um, we have an outfit, WA Building Movers, which is my family construction company, where we lift and raise and move buildings and lift houses, mostly for flooding reasons due to the numerous hurricanes we've had over the years. But it's a business we've done for uh, back to my grandfather last 45 years. Uh, Lots of progress uh, lots of projects all the time. And, uh, that's, that's pretty much just skinny.
0: So, you know, I know you all had a successful flipping business and obviously this family business and, you know, um, so when did you move into the syndication business and why?
1: It was about three years ago and it started on the, uh, premise of us meeting with Uh, some partners that were buying small multifamilies out of state. And this was actually in Indiana, uh, primarily in Indianapolis. And I'm always open to a new scenario. So we looked into it, bought a, uh, they were primarily doing actually single families out there and buying them pretty much uh, gutted, fixing them up, renting them out and, and holding them. And for us, we started looking at a couple of duplexes out there. And for that, it just it really worked out. I mean, cheap houses—you could buy them for a song—and we basically put some money in. All of a sudden, now we're getting back, you know, 33% ROI on our money uh, year after year. And we said, "Whoa, look at this!" So, looking at just how simple it was with those, we figured that you know, going to the large multifamily route would just be as easy, which is not. But on that, it gave us that big aha moment of, "Wow, if you can do this with a two-family, a three-family, what happens if you have ten doors or?" 20 doors or a hundred doors for that sake so just try to find anybody and everybody who was doing this. And of course, I I don't even know at that time if I had heard of the word syndication to be able to tell you what that meant in terms of multifamily investing. But it came up upon some of the searches I did, whether it was on other syndicator sites or sites like Bigger Pockets, And I just started finding other people that were doing exactly what I wanted to do. And uh, if my wife was here, she would say the thing, no new ideas. And that's basically what we implemented. Find other people that were doing the process successfully find how they were doing it learn what was working for them and then repeat the steps and so from that we basically started finding other mentors and other people who could be on our team whether it be our media team or our surrounding team and started building off what they were doing which implemented more of of course learning the uh, the words learning how to how to talk to talk learning how to go in there and basically find the market, learning how to build out the team, learning how to underwrite the deals. And we were doing all this before we were really actually just even buying properties or even offering on properties. And what I guess really just took this to the next step is I was sitting on the back deck of my friend's house. Um, a friend I'd gone to high school with, grew up with, and uh, we he's been in commercial real estate for a number of years. And we were both talking about just what we were doing. So we hadn't caught up in a bit. And it both just came to the part about our interest in, in buying multifamilies. And it, it was just weird thought where we both just had that moment where like, wow, we aligned forces and that really got us to the next phase of going after really getting aggressive to getting there. So within that, I would call it one year timeframe. We were from start to finish had gotten ourselves into a, a 94 unit apartment building. And that was our first one to get us out of the gates.
0: Nice. Very nice. So, Let's go back just a little bit. This, the single family homes, when you were getting in the syndication business, were you all purchasing like many homes at one time? So you you did a syndication or or what was that?
1: No, syndication never started until we actually got into the multifamily arena. Okay. The ninety-four okay. unit, Everything there was basically just either cash or some other kind of lending resource, whether it be private money, hard money or something. Um, and they were just one-off homes that we we're doing in succession. And when we knew that we were gonna take this step forward into large multifamily. We sold the assets we had out of state that were the smaller assets just with putting all of our focus out there. Cause one thing is having all these businesses, it, it's fine, but if you're not focused, you can, it's just having a bunch of projects and not really being successful in anything. things. So we want to make sure that we were really honing down on our core focus so we could go after the bigger picture.
0: Hmm. So you, you expressed that the single family you know, you all had lots of success there and and uh, maybe seemed a little bit easy, but then you moved into multifamily, hoping it would be the same, but wasn't quite as easy. Can you uh, tell us about some surprises
1: that you ran into or maybe things you didn't expect? Well, you know, you you get side railed by a lot of things that are not really, if you look back on them, they're not really big items. But when you don't know the answers, they, they become something that can really derail you. And it can be small questions that if you don't have someone on your sideline that you just get caught off guard with that question you don't know the answer and you can't get to that next step in the process because you don't know really what to turn so there's a lot of those throughout the process on, on creating any business and when you put people on your team or, or around you or have mentors around you that can enable you to just make that quick call and just say hey i have this silly question um it, i i've got you know position with this part right here is, is there something i should do whether it be you know uh, anything from um, showing, uh, let's say, I don't know, proof of funds or or something of, some, you know, some keyword with syndication, talking with a lawyer about how to, how to basically stage your investment. Anything, if you didn't have someone that had done it before or someone around you to really help you with that process, you could pretty much get derailed and a lot of people get turned off at that step. Because they say, oh, this is just too hard. So there's a lot of those in this process, and especially when you are syndicating, bringing on uh, funds from other investors, you want to make sure you're doing all your due diligence on every part of the process, just so one, you can offer the best investment possible, and two, you can be most proficient with the property when you are into it.
0: Nice. So let's go into that first deal just a little bit. What gave you the confidence to pursue that you know the larger complex then you said you talked about uh, finding someone who's already successful finding someone that's doing it you know they've already implemented these things you know I, I assume that that obviously gave you some confidence but can you walk us through that a little bit maybe somebody that hasn't found that person yet or but is looking to do that that first large deal like that
1: so it's got to come down to mindset people talk about that all the time of course but it really does and when you think about just the process of buying a large multifamily, you may hear that someone's bought a duplex and they really want to jump up to a ten unit. Well, if you talk about a ten unit or a fifty unit or a hundred unit, it's really just all about you know adding a zero in there. The process of actually really just buying the property and stabilizing the property and putting together the plan, it actually gets easier the larger the property is because you start to play with economies of scale in your favor. So in terms of having let's say 100 unit versus 10 unit. If you're going to get agency Fannie or Freddie debt and they want you to be 90% stabilized, if you're going after a 10 unit property and it has two vacancies, well, you're going to have a hard time getting that agency debt because now here you are at 80% when in fact, if it was a hundred unit property and you had two vacancies or even eight vacancies, you're still over that 90% threshold and it just makes it a lot easier for yourself. Next part of that is that you become into a lot more professional setting, So you can find property managers who are a lot more proficient with, 100 unit property because you can afford to hire a staff that's actually going to be allocated just for your property instead of having to pay every time something happens or maybe having a bunch of part-time people helping with your property where if you have a plumbing issue on a site a 100 unit property well your maintenance guide may be able to tackle that immediately before that uh, that issue becomes out there but if it's a 10 unit maybe you have to call a plumber then the plumber has to come out there assess the issue then he has to figure out what's the problem then he has to go out there go to the store buy the part then come back to here and now a issue that maybe paid a guy 15 20 dollars an hour for has now become a 2 3 400 dollar issue and now if that happens a number of times a year that chews up a lot of cash flow And that can really quickly turn your property into something that can be, you'll say, less desirable compared to a property where you have it all built into the process. And when you're buying a smaller property, they're all buying businesses, if you think of it like this. You're all looking at the cash flow that can kick off. You can get a lot more out of a larger property just really based on what you can build into the property and what you can add to your property based on anything from different fees you could put in there in terms of uh, moving fees or pet fees or different um, ways that you can basically generate on the water savings or having one roof or two roofs on a 100 unit property versus having one roof on a 10 unit property. These are all things that add into your favor based on the kinds of scale.
0: Nice, nice. Tell us a, a little bit about the first deal, why you chose the market that you did.
1: Sure. So uh, Louisville, Kentucky, we just honed down on three high-level things and of course jump into a minimum many things under that. It comes down to moderate population growth. We want to have you know growth. We don't want it to be huge spikes where one year we're up twenty percent, next year we're down ten percent, and up twenty, now down, down thirty. We want it to be two, three percent ho home population growth and have that aligned with, of course, now job growth. Have job growth follow that same format, steady job growth, but the most important. Factor about job growth is you want job growth to be diversified we we don't want one job industry to make up more than 20 percent of, of basically the entire job network there in the city just for any point that if it was you know oil or uh, the army that if one of them moved out it could have a dire effect on our uh, basically our housing source so louisville has gp ups FedEx, Churchill Downs, University of uh, Louisville, um, Aetna just brought Humana. It's got so many different job sectors there. There's a lot of people moving there. It's also deemed uh, the center of the, the country, even though it's not, but that's why you have UPS and FedEx there because you can get just as quickly to Seattle as you can get to from New York. So you have a lot of different jobs that are basically allocated to the, the blue collar working class network, which we're alloc- basically, which we're targeted on. Past that, the, the key factor is having... Someone in the area who can be your boots on the ground, and that doesn't mean that it has to be someone who's who's there in real estate all the time. Just happens, my sister lives there, uh, works for GE, and uh, my best friend growing up, his family's there. Um, I'm from New Jersey, but he's actually moved back there 15, 20 years ago, so I could get a pretty quick idea about the neighborhoods that I either want to be in. And or want to focus on based on path of progress or based on you know where were the areas that were more um, gentrifying or where were the areas that were more dangerous and so I could focus on the areas and sub markets I wanted to be in and then you couple that now you look into even the more. It, I guess direct factors. So past that, you start talking to people on different sites like Bigger Pockets, talking to investors there. Where are they flipping homes? Where are they staying away from? Where are they doing their buy and holds? Where where is things happening from that light? Then you can look on a lot of the other city data sites, looking at housing starts. Okay, great. So this submarket needs uh, you know three thousand doors in the next uh, twenty years, and they're on point to only build fifteen hundred. Okay, well, that seems like a place that would be great to buy multifamily because they're not going to be able to keep up with the housing starts that are coming in there with with how many people they need. So we'll look at other points from there. Uh, Then crime. We want to be in a place, of course, that when you're in a working class area, sure, there can be some crime. I mean, that's just part of any day life. And it could be the same place in a white collar. But we don't want to be somewhere where we're having a really dangerous setting where we're going to be on an uphill climb based on the properties around us. So there's certain areas of Louisville that we'll stay away from and certain areas we'll focus on where we're okay with the amount of crime because maybe it's theft or um you know, some uh, some abuse calls or, you know, something of that point, but it's not murder or something that's going to be a, a dangerous scenario. where We're going to have tenants that are daily into some kind of risk. And so those would be the main factors that we're going to look at. Uh, and then we started focusing on a couple of different sub markets, mostly in the South and South Central of Louisville.
0: Awesome. So tell us some specifics about the deal and why, or first, how'd you find the property?
1: Sure. So, people always go to brokers, you have to have that connection. Brokers are always going to be your uh, lifeline to deals. But when you're new, remember that there's going to be a lot of people who've closed deals before and they're probably going to see a deal before you do. So you want to make sure you can find every avenue to a deal possible. And we actually found this through a property management connection we made. Property manager knew of the deal. It was on market uh, you know, sometime back Had a crazy price out there that um, they were asking for that just did not align with the actual uh, functionality of the property. Went off market, knew the uh, sellers were still interested in selling, and he actually told us about it. So we went in there, analyzed the property. It was a ton of upside, everything from just expenses to being out of whack, just true mom and pop owner, which was funny because they actually owned a 1,000 units, but it was mostly predominantly single-family homes. So their process for single-family homes was very good but the, pro- the process for ha- they were trying to treat an apartment building like running a single family home mm. and it was creating chaos. So they were having things like turns were taking a-, a decade. They were having very poor lease up strategies where they actually had an on-site person who uh, was not really even showing available units and another kicker which was simple was I mean there was actually a ton but the, uh, the person who was the on-site person couldn't take rent checks. Alpha Funding Solutions offers creative financing tailored to your individual needs. Whether you're fixing and flipping distressed properties or building ground-up construction, Alpha offers flexible financing to get the job done. With no minimum draw requirements, no prepay penalties, and no seasoning requirements, borrowers can create a construction loan that best suits their individual needs. Everything at Alpha is done in-house from the sales force to underwriting, construction management, and draw payouts. The team at Alpha works as a unit to best serve their happy family of over 1,000 borrowers experience the alpha difference today visit www.alphafunding.com or call 732-657-2014 again that's alphafunding.com and the number is 732-657-2014 there's nothing to lose and everything to gain alpha funding solutions the softer side of hard money couldn't take rent checks and they were having a hard time with collections because these people would have to go down there and mail it, or they would have to go and drop it off three miles away at the office because the lady downstairs could not, could not take rent they were taking uh, cash payments at the office they we're not allowing pets when there's 600 units in that area and every uh, other uh, apartment building was allowing pets. So they were having other, you know, you could walk across the street and pay $250 non-refundable pet fee and uh, $25 a uh, month for pets. But when we walked all the units, eight of the 94 units had pets. So you had, it was just one of those things that, you know, they weren't taking them, they weren't charging for them, but they still had them. They uh, There's no other laundry rooms in the immediate area. They have two. One was in, high disrepair and the other one was down so it gave a, another part where you could actually get a lot of income back by just putting them both online and offering it out to the neighborhood and then the the one that everybody always wants to focus on but we'll look at it from well two points one was the rents were way in the market you could walk basically across the street and pay 75 dollars more for really the same property no no better no worse and lastly the uh, expenses were really out of whack due to just high utility bills that we could get under under um, just under control. So we went under there. We went in and offered what we felt was the value of the property, which was basically a million dollars off of uh, what they were asking. And they came back and just basically put it back at their number of where they wanted it, and uh, said, "You know, nope, this is our offer." And we said, "Oh, oh it's too far apart," and just walked away. So that was uh, the first part of the process, and just went off, but. What we did do is we made a list of all the properties we were offering and about six months later we looked at our list and saw this property back in the list and said "hmm went back and offered fifty thousand dollars more and all of a sudden in their uh, three point two number had come down six hundred thousand dollars to two point six wow. and that was the start of our process where we got it down and over the next um, probably about four to five weeks of going back and forth on the deal, we were able to come to terms and it got to the end where we actually just showed them our underwriting of why, because if, if you have that big of a discrepancy in, uh, in I guess pricing they, I, from a seller's perspective, they would just think you're lowballing them. And we were trying to get to the bottom line that just based on the way the property was operating it. Well, we just couldn't pay this because if day one, nothing changed, you know, we weren't in able to really just cash flow on the property based on how the property was actually functioning that day. So we showed them our underwriting and that got us sealed to the deal at 2.3 million, which is about 900,000 off from where we started.
0: Awesome. So you found the deal because you have a previous relationship. Right. with the property managers, right? And then, you know, you found this deal, you made an offer, and, and you weren't afraid to, uh, to make an offer, even a million dollars less than they were asking. Um, but then you didn't budge. You, I assume you had some strict parameters you were, you were looking at, you knew exactly what the numbers needed to be. And, and that's, that's how you knew, right? And that's how when they came back and said, nope, you know, they gave you the same price again, you knew you should walk. Right, what What are some of them you know, some specific things? You know, was it cash on cash return? Was it uh, IRR? what were you looking at to say, nope, this is all we can do?
1: Well, and that I'll jump back to that one point is that like when you're putting in offers, you want to make sure that you can justify the offer too. I so when you're putting in an offer that may just be much lower than expectation, if there's brokers involved, we always ask them, hey, listen. We're not going to be able to come close to this number. We're happy to submit the number if this is something that you'd like to like to present. Uh, but we also want to put them in a stance if maybe it's a newer property that they've just brought out, and all of a sudden now we're we're way off from their asking offer because it may put the property the the broker into a position that's not ideal for them. So we'll make sure that we're we're aligning our offer with with reasoning behind it and. If we can present it, that's best. Because if not, you, you want to be able to give the story to the broker of why you're putting that. Especially in today's um, light, where a lot of properties seem to be uh, at, at values that, that are hard to muster. Um, so that's something that, that's really hard for us to, uh, to to go after, right? And so we try and really give offers that are based on our criteria. But again, not a lot of them are aligning with the price expectations. And back to your point about what we're searching on. So we are syndicating deals and we are we, we do want to have a property that we can present returns, provide returns day one and not defer returns. So we're looking at something that can offer returns day one, going off the as is values of the property. And that comes down, we would prefer cash and cash returns because uh, IRR is a little difficult to muster because there's a lot of different things to form around there. So we're going to go off cash and cash. Um, and when we're going on this, we're putting in and what changes properties a lot where we feel we can operate the property you may have someone who is running their property and this is something that changes up our, our returns a lot but someone who may be r- run the property themselves and they're saying they can operate the property at twenty five hundred dollars per unit in expenses and you look at that and know that that that's what they believe, but they're missing everything else. You know, all the accounting that they're not paying for all the property management, they're not paying for And so when we look at the property and we're going to operate efficiently, it's going to cost us $4,000 a unit. And that's usually a part that becomes a big, uh, different factor in a lot of the offers that, that sellers who are self managing feel that they can, will say own compared to what we feel that we can operate it at.
0: Hmm. So, change directions just a little bit. When you if you could, you know, talk to uh, yourself, you know, when you were 20 years old, you know, what would you tell yourself about getting into real estate? And and how would you uh, have that conversation about, you know, how would you direct that person that's just getting in? Uh, You know, you've got all this experience now. uh, And, uh, you know, what would you do? What would you tell them?
1: That's a tremendously good question. I would surround myself with as many people who are actively doing what I want because that really makes it doable. And that's really the biggest thing that that separates people from doing it than people that are not doing it is that they're not surrounding themselves with people who are actually doing it. So it seems like this unicorn out there. Um, so it, anything, flipping, wholesaling, wholetailing, um, buy and hold, large multifamily, if you are focusing on one of these, it would be that you need to find people that are actively doing it, learning what they're doing so it becomes more real to you because these little things, especially when you're 20 years old, seem scary or seem that they matter when in the big picture, they're they're just steps to the process because real estate will not be an overnight thing and anyone who tells you it is, they've maybe got lucky at one point, but they're not going to be lucky forever. It's a long process. You build it up on track record. You build it up on doing things that you tell people you're going to do, building it up on basically learning from others and just um, having trends of deals. And you're going to fail, but you need to fail forward. You're going to have these, like anything, you're going to have these points where it's just not going to work out perfect because just like, Anything in life, there, there's the plan, and then there's what actually happens. So just keep failing forward, keep finding other people that are doing it, and take action.
0: What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success?
1: Uh, changing mindset, consistently working on my mindset, surrounding myself with so, and that would be in line with surrounding myself with with the right people.
0: How how do we surround ourselves with the right people? Give us some tips as far as. You know finding those groups of people when we're you know we don't know anybody we're just getting started how do we how do we get to know those people
1: it It sounds scary right because you're going to something where you feel like everybody else knows something, but go to Rias because ninety percent of people there are in the same boat of you as you do not know a thing there's sites like bigger pockets that really can give you all kinds of wealth. There's shows just like Whitney's here that can give you every step you need. And then reach out to the guests, reach out to other people because if you ask a question, people are most likely, I mean, it's a great community. People are most likely to get back to you. And the question, ask a question that can move you forward. Not a question that's going to really give someone else a job. Don't ask a, you know, someone for a question that says, can you help me do something? Well, that gives that person who, who really is, is probably busy as can be another job. That, that, but if you ask them a question of, I'm looking at deals, how do I find a, a market that should make sense for me? Or um, I, I found a 10 unit um, owner pays utilities. Why would that be a good or bad Something that can can really step you forward and help you learn, but also show that you're doing your homework to the person you're asking a your question for. Nice,
0: nice. So, what's the what's been the hardest part of the syndication process that you found?
1: Oh man, the the, the uh, you gotta you gotta make sure that you're always finding the right partners, right? So uh, the the syndication lawyers, we had one part with like a filing after the syndication was in process that, um, and it's just it came down to it's just as much or more on us because we didn't know the questions to ask. And so it was like having to go onto the IRS and call the site and do all these things that at least, you know, my partner Kevin did it. So he's, he's probably cursing me right now. But on that fact, he, it, it was just a grueling process about something that we just, we didn't know because you didn't know that question to ask. Now we know the question to ask because we went through the process, but just these little unknowns that that was a, a part that more annoying, but when you're really trying to focus on the plan, that's something that just you're like, oh, this is a a time suck that you need to get ahead of next time.
0: Mm. You don't know what you don't know, but at least you know it now. That's exactly right. Yeah, you learned a lot. So um, Jason, you know, I really appreciate you being on the show today. and, And would you tell the listeners how they can learn more about your company and learn more about just what you all are doing?
1: Sure. Uh, You can check us out at www.yarusiholdings.com, Y-A-R-U-S-I holdings.com. Feel free to email me at jason at yarusiholdings.com.